Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey parents, welcome to the Wonder of Parenting and to what we hope is going to be for you an inspiring and practical podcast as we together discover what it means to enjoy the Wonder of Parenting by unlocking the built-in how-to manual in your son or in your daughter. And that how-to manual is your child's brain. My name is Tim Wright. I'm the host of this podcast. And even though I have been a parent since 1980, I can still vividly remember the moment when I was about to be a dad. It was June 18th, 1980 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Ironically, by the way, just as a, a bit of trivia, uh, the number one hit song that at that time was Funky Town by a Minneapolis-based group called Lip Inc. Uh, mindless information that you don't need. But anyway, uh, it was about uh, maybe 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, and my wife nudged me, and she said, I think it's time. And so I got dressed, I ran into the bathroom, and I looked in the mirror, and I thought, now what? I have no idea how to be a dad. And so I rushed out. I took Jan to the hospital. Turned out it was a false alarm. We walked to the hallways for a couple hours. Nothing happened. Went back home, but we knew uh, our child was going to be born that day. And sure enough, at 9 o'clock that night, uh, our little daughter Alicia was born. And all of the fear and the anxiety was gone in a moment the first time that I held her. I could hardly sleep that night. I couldn't wait to get back to the hospital to hold my daughter. But once some of the excitement settled, uh, then came that question, now what? Uh, I had no training to be a parent. Uh, I had to take a year just to learn how to drive a car, but being a parent for the first time, nobody teaches you how to do that. You're on your own. It, it, you're basically learning on the job. And so we read a lot of books, as you probably have done. Of course, you can go to the internet now, but it seemed like every time a new book came out, the philosophy of parenting changed. What was in vogue last year was no longer in vogue. There was some new philosophy. And it could be very confusing, uh, especially when you're a newer parent, to try to figure out what's the best way to parent your child. And a few years ago, uh, I met uh, my good friend, Dr. Michael Gurian, and uh, learned that one of the ways that we can parent our child is by understanding how the brain works in our son and in our daughter. And while the brain doesn't give us every insight we need into parenting, uh, it certainly gives us a lot of insights into why our boys behave the way they do, why our girls behave the way they do, and how we can harness the energy and the insights of their brain and their chemistry uh, to help them become the young men, the young women that we want them to be. And so Michael Gurian is uh, with us for this podcast. And Michael, I know you've spent over 30 years doing brain science research and helping parents and educators apply that. But when you became a parent all those years ago, did you have that same deer in the headlights moment that I had of what do oh, I do absolutely. now? Uh, I, uh, I was blown away by the whole experience. I was really nervous. I didn't 
you know, really have a concept of what I was going to do, even though I had research behind me. But I, it was just, uh, it was crazy. Yeah. And for me, for me, um, there was a, also a little bit of anxiety because, uh, or, or a lot of anxiety, really, because Gail had some issues with uh, cysts and so on. And so the labor uh, for Gabrielle is our first, um, uh, was like 44 hours total, you know, uh, and they finally had to do a C-section. And uh, so it was, it was really scary. Um, and I loved what you said, though, about when I held her, when you held, you know, your child, it was like, oh, a lot of that fear went away. There was, there was a sense that instincts would kick in, <laughs> you know. Um, but then sure enough, the anxiety came back as I started making errors, you know, which every parent does. Uh, so yeah, deer in the headlights is a perfect way to put it. So what we want to do in this podcast is we want to share with you uh, insights that we've learned along the way. We've both been parents now for quite a while. I'm a grandparent, have five grandkids. Uh, so we have experiences as dads. Uh, we have experiences as parents. Uh, but Ma Michael in particular also has this vast wealth of experience when it comes to brain science research and how it helps shapes our children and shapes us as parents. And uh, so what we want to do is to take some of that brain science and apply it specifically to various issues that we face as parents. And we're going to give you an example of that in just a couple minutes. But Michael, it might be interesting, first of all, uh, to learn a little bit about how you discovered uh, this insight that the brain can teach us a lot about how we parent and a lot about how our children are growing up. Yeah, it it, um, it sort of came on me that I wanted to focus on it through through college and grad school. And my my way in uh, was was really through sex on the brain. So um, it was male female. Uh, what what's going on with male brain and female brain? And um, uh, so now we're back into forty years ago, where I was in college, and then um, thirty five years ago in grad school. And at that time, there was a the sense that everything was culture, everything was socialization. Um, it was really a non-brain time, right? It was very much a culture time, and especially in the area of gender. But meanwhile, um, uh, neuroscientists were just pumping out information about the brain, uh, neuroplasticity, you know, this kind of thing. And then in the area I was most interested in uh, at that time was male-female, so male-female brain. So what I started doing is developing the concept of nature-nurture-culture, that, that culture was certainly important, but that all three are important. And um, I don't believe I'm unique in saying this. I'm just saying it in a certain way. Nature, nurture, and culture, all equally important. Um, but the thing that I was saying is we have to be nature-based. So that means nature, nurture, and culture are all important, but we have to start with nature. So that means start with the brain. Understand the brains of our boys, our girls, across the spectrum. You know, uh, Understand those brains and then parent from that position of understanding. So do nurture and culture based on understanding the developing brains, the unique personality types, the, the sex on the brain, male, female, um, uh, any issues that brain has that we have to work around, uh, you know, all the stuff that comes in on the chromosomes and then gets triggered in environment. Uh, that's the brain. And it all comes down for me to having to get at that brain and nurture the nature of that brain. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage 
all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So we're going to do a lot of discussion. Uh, together about the brain and what it teaches us about our sons and daughters. And we want to invite you to be a part of the conversation. We have a website called Wonder of Parents, uh, Wonder of Parenting, sorry, wonderofparenting.com. And uh, you'll learn a little bit about us on that website. Uh, and uh, it's a place for you to ask questions. We'd like to use your questions in our upcoming podcasts because they that's really what we're thinking about is the things that you are concerned about. It's wonderofparenting.com. Or you can go to uh, Apple Podcasts, and we'd sure appreciate if you do that, and uh, write a review, and uh, subscribe, or you can do that on Google Play as well. So we're going to give an example here in just a moment of how the brain can help us with an issue with our boys and with our girls. Uh, With our boys, it has to do with their seeming lack of words when we want them to talk to us, and our daughters when they seem to go through these periods of drama. But Michael, you've got a great illustration that helps us understand the importance of, of nature, nurture, and culture has to do with a lighthouse. So uh, tell us that story and then how it ties into what we're going to be talking okay. about. With parenting. Yeah, thank you. It's a, it's a really fun story. So I was handed this story, and people can find it in Boys and Girls Learn Differently. I was handed this story by an eighth, uh, eighth grade girl back when we were doing our pilot um, study uh, out of the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and we we did our pilot um, Green Institute study in in six school districts there, and so I was speaking in various schools, and a uh, eighth grade girl came up to me and said, "You know, you clearly like humor, so I'm going to hand you this." So she handed me this piece of paper that came off the internet, and it was it was a story that you know is probably <laughs> not true, but it's a it's a wonderful story. So uh, the we have an American. Um, uh, you know, destroyer, large ship, and we have Canadian authorities. And over the radio comes from the American ship, uh-oh, hey, hey, you better move 15 degrees um, or we're going to hit you, right? And then Canadian authorities come back and say, well, no, I think you should move 15 degrees. And U.S. ship says, no, 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 you, you, move 15 degrees to the north to avoid collision. And then the Canadian authorities say, well, no. Uh, maybe you better move 15 degrees. Uh, and then the captain of the ship just gets really angry, you know, and says, you move, you move 15 degrees to the north or we're going to we're going to take you out. And the Canadian authorities come back and say, well, this is a lighthouse. It's your call. <laughs> so when I tell that story, people, I think, you know, laugh. And some people now, of course, now more people have heard that story. Um, in church or, or in their school or somewhere. But I use it in, in this way. What I like to argue is that the lighthouse is is nature. The lighthouse has been built by our chromosomes, our, our cells, you know, and then ultimately our, our brains. Uh, it's been built, it's sitting there, and it's giving off light. And in fact, 
really the brain is giving off light. I mean, so in a way, this is literal. The When you scan the brain, you can see that you can scan it because it's giving off light because of all this movement of cells um, and atoms. So it's giving off light. And we need to think about that. We need to really see that lighthouse and see what it's giving off the light and what, what the light is reflecting onto. Well, it's reflecting onto the ocean of life. It's reflecting onto the land. And it's also going to be uh, reflecting onto those ships. And the ships, to me, the ships are culture. So the ships are always moving. So culture is always moving. And and in the in the 60 years, you and I are both 60, that we've been alive, we've seen sex and gender culture shift incredibly, right? In 60 years, that culture has changed quite a bit. Uh, you know, women are empowered. We have gender equality. Uh, obviously, for both males and females, there are areas of work to get equality, but but it's it's a whole different culture and a different cultural approach to male-female, for instance, than we had 60 years ago. But guess what? The lighthouse hasn't changed much, right? The lighthouse is the lighthouse. The nature of male, the nature of female, the nature of the brain, uh, this stuff has been given to us over the last million years or so uh, of development. And that lighthouse is very, very interesting to me. So we're going to tease that out with a couple examples today, just to give you parents a sense of what we're, uh, what we're going to do together uh, to enjoy the wonder of parenting. So, Michael, let's start with the mom uh, or the dad who's really frustrated because uh, they want to have a conversation with their son. Uh, they want to know what's going on. They know something's going on in his life. Uh, but every time they ask him a question, he grunts or maybe has a one-word answer, I'm fine, or leave me alone. Uh, why is it that boys seem to be so uh, reticent to use their words to express their emotions. Well, I, let me give two sort of very famous brain differences between male and female, and then they're going to also help us with the girl question, uh, and they directly apply to this question. So uh, one of those differences uh, between male and female brain is that the male brain is doing language in just certain parts of the brain, and maybe ma mainly over on the left side. So um, whereas the female brain, girls, women are doing language and words on both sides of the brain, left and right. Uh, so, so girls and women are connecting words to feelings. So the feelings and the senses, all that information is kind of starting in the midbrain in the, what we call the limbic system. And then they're connecting the upper brain where the words are being done. Women and girls are doing that on both sides of the brain. So they could have seven, eight, 10 or more pathway connections between the word centers that would respond to mom or dad's question, and uh, then the emotive centers uh, and the memory centers that would give the data, right, with which to respond. But boys, uh, only doing words in this one part of the brain, uh, on the left side of the brain, and then only having connectivity, uh, this one part of the brain, the left side, to the midbrain, where the words and senses and memories are, you know, so that in itself is one profound difference. And then the second difference, and this difference is going to explain why some boys actually can talk a blue streak, are very, very talkative. Like I'm one of those. I was very, very talkative, but didn't necessarily talk about uh, emotions or emotive memories. And this difference is the gray matter, white matter. So the female brain is using up to 10 times more white matter activity, which is, is connecting the various parts of the brain so white matters along the myelin and it sends signals all over the brain instantaneously. So the female brain is thinking of five, seven things at once. 
and making all these connections to the midbrain and the emotions and the senses and all that, uh, and then connecting it to other areas, um, including other verbal centers, using white matter. The male brain uses up to seven times more gray matter activity. So gray matter is in splotches in the brain. So, so males and females both have gray and white matter. We both have what each other has, but it's set up differently in these brains. So males, the gray matter areas in the left for males, which is generally where they're doing language and words, and especially the front left, those gray matter areas need to be triggered in order for them to respond to the parent verbally. And they have less likelihood of connecting those words to feelings than a girl will because they only are working out of two or three of these gray matter centers on the left. Um, uh, and we got to try to get those centers connected to the memory and the word centers. And a, a real great illustration that everyone will recognize, anyone who's been, let's say, married for a while or together for a while, will recognize that when males and females have a conflict or you know an argument, uh, that females are able, uh, uh, are generally more able to pull up three or four or five or 10 or 20 memories that apply to this situation in their minds. Whereas guys, it's hard for guys to remember what they said or what the other person said a year ago. You know, uh, they just don't have as much connectivity. They can't bring up as much of this stuff. So they don't have as much data or material to present to their parent. Um, so both the gray matter, white matter difference, I would argue, and the left, you know, the males only doing language on the left and not having as much connectivity, that's a brain way to explain not only that males don't tend to connect words to feelings really fast, but also that they can speak a blue streak about video games or about uh, To Kill a Mockingbird or about horses or about playing the flute or, you know, about running a business, um, but not necessarily about the more complex stuff, which is emotions. It may take them a, 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 um, an hour or even 12 hours or even 24 hours to process and to try to get the, the emotive centers connected to the word centers. So now let's tease that out for parents practically. What What is a strategy or two that uh, a mom or dad can use to help their son articulate emotions? Yeah, well, once we understand the brain, then we're going to say, okay, um, we're going to have to uh, trigger. How do we get those gray matter, uh, those gray center, gray matter areas triggered and those verbal centers triggered and how do we also trigger those verbal centers to connect with the emotive centers or the in the sensorial and the memory centers right so um one great clue with male brain is uh the more a guy is moving around uh the more his cerebellum in the lower brain that's in the lower brain activates more of the upper brain so he's moving around so he's pacing or we are walking side by side with him. So I call this peripatetic counseling or peripatetic communication, where we're walking side by side down the sidewalk with him, or he's in the car with us. He's not necessarily moving, but, but his environment is moving. So he's stimulated and he's sitting beside us. So we're doing something together or we're building something. We're fixing the car together or we're playing basketball, which involves movement and, and you know parallel play. All of these sorts of strategies Get that brain uh, moving, body's moving, brain's moving, eyes are moving, brain's moving, right? And then um, that's he's more likely to be able to stimulate more of the upper brain because more of the whole brain is moving. Um, so, well, so I guess that's just one strategy. 
Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft. Made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Yeah, and I uh, one of the things that I learned from some of the great folks at the Green Institute is sometimes the better question to ask your son isn't so much, what are you feeling, but what are you thinking? And boys can access that, and underneath those thinking uh, answers can be some of the emotions that they're going through yeah, as well. Yeah, very important. Now let's turn let's let's turn to daughters, and we're going to probably do at least one or two podcasts on this whole issue because it's a big one, and that has to do with what we call girl drama. And girl drama is something very real; it's rooted in the brain. And so, just give us the highlight. Uh, what's going on? What causes girl okay. drama? Yeah, so so I kind of gave those two, which are just two of probably a hundred brain differences uh, that we can talk about, uh, and those two also apply to the question of of girls and emotionality, and especially in the years of about ten to twenty, when a lot of hormones are surging and, and the hormones really really affect the brain. Um, so so girl, here's here's a girl. She her brain is more white matter activity oriented. And part of the advantage for her brain in, in being so is that she picks up more facial cues than guys generally do. She picks up more social cues than guys generally do. Her brain also um, uh, is is generally better in all five senses. And the only one where there's what we call parity is visual. But in general, the female brain uh, and the female nose, you know, so the olfactory, taste, tactiles, uh, female senses are more active and they have more receptors in the brain for what they've taken in sensorially. So she's picking up more of these sensual cues, facial cues, um, social cues through through voice and tone and all of that. So she's picking up all of that. So the advantage is she's going to, you know, she's going to be incredible. Uh, and she is incredible as a person and in her ability to read people, be empathic, etc. A disadvantage for her, though, is she's picking up so much that she often uh, has impulsive overreactions to what she's picking up. So to give an example, um, I have two daughters, so they're grown now, but when they were growing up, um, they would, they would, you know, the eye roll, the famous eye roll, this happened a lot with them. S some friend would roll her eyes uh, at, at one of my daughters and my daughter would really react to that. My friend, her friend could have been rolling her eyes for some other reason, but my daughter would react as if the eye roll had to do with her, which it may have. And then, and all it was was an eye roll, right? But she took it in as a major event. And then she forms a rumination loop. And so this is a second thing to understand about her brain. Both males and females ruminate, no doubt. Um, but female brain tends to create more of these emotive rumination loops because this, the cingulate gyrus, which is uh, the, an attention focus part of the brain, um, is up to four times more active in females. So um, uh, once it gets focused on the eye roll, 
right? It's really focused on it. And then it loops to emotive centers uh, like the amygdala that create anger, that create frustration, that create worry, like what's wrong with me? Um, and then that ruminates. And, and uh, so she's ruminating for a day or two about something. Uh, and of course, then a lot of stuff gets white matter attached to that because she sends signals to other parts of the brain. Maybe these other people don't like me. Maybe I'm uh, fat. Maybe I'm ugly. Maybe I'm right. And then she and it all gets blown up in her mind. And she's 12 or 13. And she doesn't really have self-regulation on this stuff yet. Um, so that's that's girl drama. So that's one of the aspects of girl drama. So then she creates a problem with her friend Anna and she reacts to Anna, let's say, or and or she starts talking to to uh, Judy over here about Anna. So now we have a triad where that's been split and they're in a psychological drama and then that goes on and then they can become enemies actually and hate each other. But then two weeks later, you know, they, Anna and Judy are friends and the other one's out ostracized. Um, so girl drama is real and the brain is doing its work. And, and, and the reason that I don't actually, even though I've just laid that out, I don't overreact to girl drama as much as maybe some others do because I know what girls are doing with it. And what they're doing is they're learning boundaries. They're learning a sense of self. They're learning how to self-regulate because they create these dramas and these dramas hurt. And then they have to go, oh, wait a minute. Why did I do that? And the role, I think a key role for us as adults is to explain to them that when they do this, their brains get so empathic and activated and connected that they kind of merge with the other girl. They, their whole self-image is based on this other girl, you know, eye-rolling. So they're merged. So they're what we call psychological merging. And, and we adults can explain this to them and say, oh, see, what you're doing is you're learning boundaries. <laughs> so, so now what are you going to do? How do you problem solve this? And that's that's our role to a great extent uh, beyond, of course, if they're being bullied or cyberbullied, that's its own category. But in terms of sort of natural and normal girl drama, our role is just to keep over and over again for a period of years, helping our daughters to navigate what is real for their brains. And one of the strategies for that is breaking that rumination cycle. So talk a little yeah, bit I about use, that. I really believe in the bi-strategic approach. Um, so bi-strategic parenting um, by strategic teaching, you know, all of it grows from the idea that there's more than one good way to do it. And by strategic specifically comes from male and female brain. The male and the female brain in general tend to look at these situations differently and they bring different gifts. And um, so a gift that generally the mom gives, although by the way, you know, we're generalizing, a dad could be this way. And certainly there are. And we, brain research shows about a one in five exception rate to anything that, that I'm going to say or anyone's going to say uh, because the brain is very complex. But in general, in at least four out of five cases, we find that the mom tends to to take in emotionally and empathically the um, more of the emotions of the daughter who's in this distress, who's ruminating. And she will tend to listen for longer periods of time to the distress. Um, she will tend to verbalize back and forth more. Uh, uh, and in other words, she's going to be more emotionally and verbally engaged and that will help the daughter to ventilate, to process, to, to, to get the feeling into thinking, you know, um, and so it's really great. Now, um, dads tend to go more quickly toward problem solving. And, and, uh, and that's also great uh, because we know, and in the minds of girls, actually, I have a lot of good um, research on this that shows that the longer you ventilate, 
the more likely you are to be more depressed and more anxious. So um, we do need limits on ventilating and on talking about how we feel because too much talking about how we feel is bad, right? So, so enough is good, but too much is bad. So it's actually great that uh, someone, in most cases the dad, but could be the mom, uh, especially in a single parent household, will stop it and say, okay, uh, I've listened to you for five to 10 minutes. Um, I mean, this is what I'm saying in my head. I don't really say it this way to my daughter, but I've listened and now I'm gonna tell you what I heard and here's what I heard that you're saying this, this, and this. And yeah, yeah, that's what you heard. Okay, then what are we going to do about it? How do we problem solve it? Um, uh, should you call Anna? Uh, should you text her? Do you guys want to get together? Can I drive you over there? You know, in other words, start problem solving it so that it gets out of the realm of just pure emotional rumination. And, and it becomes something that the brain is especially built for, which is problem solving. And that's going to help this girl to learn boundaries. So the bi-strategic approach I think is really great. Uh, and if, if it's a single parent listening to this, then the single parent, you know, is kind of needing to use a bi-strategic approach and or get grandparents or others involved to help so that so that the daughter is not over ruminating and then going on to social media and attacking and, you know, all of that stuff, which we don't want. So in our next podcast, we are going to spend a bit more time on girls and what are our girls made of and uh, we'll do a real general overview uh, to give you again more of a sense of how brain science can help us understand our sons and our daughters again we do want to encourage you to go to our website wonderofparenting.com and uh, that'll have a link for you to subscribe to this podcast Uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast at apple podcasts or google play and write a review. We'd appreciate that. But on our website as well will be a place for you to write questions. And so if you've got parenting challenges, parenting issues, uh, please send us your questions. And in future podcasts, we'll make sure that we deal with them. Uh, It's been good to have you with us. And on behalf of Dr. Michael Green, my name is Tim Wright, and we look forward to being with you for our next Wonder of Parenting podcast.